0: I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and make your way to the Old Testament book of Jonah. The Old Testament book of Jonah, you're going to have to know your uh, minor prophets a little bit to be able to find the book of Jonah. It's a shorter book, and so if you use the scrolling method, uh, you, you might you might miss it, so hopefully you know where the book of Jonah is located in uh, in your Bible. But we're going to be in Jonah chapter number one this morning. And uh, we are going to read the first six verses of Jonah, chapter number 1. We'll be referring to uh, other portions of the book of Jonah. But uh, for this morning, we're going to read Jonah, chapter number 1, verses 1 through 6. In Jonah, chapter number 1, verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind unto the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it uh, of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. The title of the message this morning is Arise, O Sleeper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we could have in your house today. We thank you for the precious songs that we're able to sing and the hymns uh, that that carry the old messages of the scriptures and salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you, Lord, for all that Christ has accomplished on our behalf. We thank you for all that you've done for us and for who you are, and Lord, most importantly, for sending your son Christ to die on our behalf, to die and pay for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins, that we might be made righteous in your sight. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray that you'd help us to examine our own lives this morning. Lord, it's very possible that we could be guilty of spiritual sleep. And I just pray that you'd uh, touch our hearts and our minds this morning to receive your word and all that you have for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Arise, O sleeper. We learn so much from Jonah and his life. We've preached on uh, Jonah and out of the book of Jonah multiple times through the years and none of them have been the same content and That will hold true today. This, again, is a different topic, uh, dealing with Jonah and his life. And as I say that there's so much that we learn from Jonah and his life, we we understand and know from Jonah and the book of Jonah that there are good things that we learn from Jonah, things that we should be doing, and yet, sadly, there are bad actions that Jonah was involved in, and from his life, we learn that there are acts that we are to avoid, now, our study today fits into that category, the latter category. Here, as we read Jonah chapter number one, verses one through six, you have this prophet who was handpicked by God to go to the monarch of a leading world power, six hundred thousand strong in the capital city, to preach God's word. Instead. We find Jonah being rebuked by a lost captain of a vessel. And in what is perhaps one of the most, I won't say comical, but yet memorable lines of Scripture, this captain comes to Jonah as he lies fast asleep in a deep sleep and simply says, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise. And so, this morning as we look at this instance in the life of Jonah, we see Jonah is in the midst of a violent hurricane. A raging tempest that the Lord has raised to get the attention of Jonah and to accomplish His will in the life of Jonah. And what is Jonah doing? He is in a deep sleep in the midst of this raging hurricane. Now, I want to make the application today that physical sleep in Scripture, of course there are multiple applications of physical sleep. Physical sleep is sometimes uh, equated to death, it's called those that sleep. Uh, We're not talking about that application this morning. Sometimes physical sleep is a type or it points us to lessons that we can learn about spiritual sleep. And this morning, we want to make those applications. We want to talk about spiritual sleep and the dangers of spiritual sleep. Spiritual sleep is very simply a state of slumber and inactivity. What do you do when you sleep? Perhaps you toss around a lot, but you're normally incoherent. You're out of it. You're not aware of what's going on around you. Spiritual sleep is a state of grogginess and unconsciousness to our surroundings. And spiritual sleep keeps us from performing our God-given duties. We might well say that we are asleep on the job. There are times when God's people are spiritually asleep. And we need to be admonished. We need to hear the... Challenge and the admonition to arise, O sleeper. This morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, there are three lessons that I would like for us to learn. Lessons that we should learn before we become the one that must be admonished to arise, O sleeper. First of all, we see this spiritual lesson spiritual sleep is produced by disobedience. The second lesson, spiritual sleep prevents us from perceiving danger. And then the third lesson, that to be awakened from spiritual sleep, we must encounter divine intervention. Or if you want to shorten that, we are only awakened from spiritual sleep by divine intervention, and of course I think that you understand that we're talking about the work of God through the Holy Spirit, and through the other entities that the Lord uses as a means to accomplish His purpose. We're talking this morning about Jonah, and we're posing the question, well it's not really a question, we're making the admonition that we ought to arise, O sleeper. Three lessons that we learn to hopefully prevent us from being admonished to arise, O sleeper. The first lesson, we find this covered in detail in verses 1 through 3. Spiritual sleep is produced by disobedience. Now we all know the story of Jonah very well. We're very uh, well versed with what Jonah was commanded to do and what he actually did. And I say again emphatically this morning that Jonah was not going to go to Nineveh he was not he was told by God to go to Nineveh and preach the word and he had just determined that he was not going to do this what do you call this well you could call it stupidity surely you know you're going to you're going to challenge God and just tell God basically to his face you're not going to do what he tells you to do you're going to think that you could somehow flee from the presence of God and be somewhere where God is not. We should read Psalm 139 if we think that's the case. But really, what do you call this? You call it disobedience. You call it disobedience. And I say this morning that spiritual sleep is produced by disobedience. Now I want you to walk through, if you will, the stages of Jonah's disobedience. Now God here... In, in in verse number 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, notice that God is calling Jonah to go and not just preach the word, but to be a witness for God to the Ninevites, the Assyrians, right? The capital of the Assyrians. And so we see, first of all, in Jonah's journey of disobedience that results in his spiritual sleep, we see that that he is callous in his witnessing. He is callous in his witnessing. Now there is much speculation why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. In fact, if you were to read what Brother John Gill writes about why he thinks Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh, it might surprise you. I won't tell you what that is. You can search that out on your own and by the way, not now. <laughs> you do that, do that on your own time. Uh, forgive me for being blunt, but sometimes we must. Uh, so, so there's much speculation as to why, why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. But you know, one thing is true. We hear Jonah's, and we can read Jonah's words as to why he did not want to go ourselves. Because he says so in Scripture. Now, in order to understand this point that Jonah is callous in his witnessing... We need to go back a little bit and we need to understand some context as to what's taking place here in Jonah's thought process. Now we've already read in Jonah chapter number 1 that God tells Jonah, He calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against the wickedness of that city. And uh, what does Jonah do? He goes in the completely opposite direction. He goes as far away from where uh, Nineveh is that he can get, right? So Nineveh is to the east, he goes to the west and uh, winds up about, uh, some say, 6,000 miles away from where uh, Nineveh is. Now, let's pick up the narrative after God has gotten Jonah's attention and Jonah is cast into the water in the midst of this hurricane. God has prepared this fish that has the right size belly to swallow up Jonah, which by the way is Jonah's means of delivery. While he spends three days and three nights in the whale, in the belly of the whale, uh, you say, well, how do we know it's a whale? Well, read the New Testament, right? Uh, and so we, we find that God deals with Jonah and Jonah actually repents. And when he is spit out on dry land by the whale, what does Jonah do? Jonah is now obedient and he goes to Nineveh. Now, let's pick up the narrative in Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 4. Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 4. And we're going to read down through chapter number 4, verse number 2. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 4. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh, excuse me, through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let us neither make uh, uh, man nor beast, uh, herd nor flock taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from His fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them. And He did it not. Now stop there. Would you, if you are called to witness and to preach, would you not rejoice if people actually responded positively to the message. I mean, I think that's the goal of of what we do in preaching. Remember the difference between preaching and teaching. In preaching, we call people to action. Uh, We would rejoice in that. We'd be thankful for that. This is not Jonah. Now watch. Look at chapter 4, verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarsus. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. What is Jonah's issue? Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh because Jonah knows that God is a God of His Word. And that if the Ninevites repented, God would spare them. And sadly, the only thing we can conclude from that is that Jonah was displeased that God spared the Ninevites. Jonah had a lack of desire to preach the Word of God and to witness and testify. You know what happens when we're on the road to disobedience? We begin by being callous in our witnessing. We have a lack of desire to share God's Word with anybody. We have a lack of desire to be a witness. And this is a sign of not just spiritual sleep, but a deep spiritual sleep. So notice, spiritual sleep is produced by disobedience. It begins with a uh, being callous in our witnessing. But notice, secondly, it leads to casting away God's Word. Disobedience is, do, is not doing what God said to do or doing what God said not to do. So when we disregard what God has plainly told us to do, we are disobedient and we are guilty of casting away and casting aside God's Word. Do you know that oftentimes the people of God do exactly this? You, 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 say, you say in your heart right now, well, I would never shake my fist at God and tell God I'm not going to do what He told me to do. And we all do it all the time. And we won't be honest enough to admit that we do it. And some are more blatant than others. But we are no less guilty. Disobedience can result in spiritual sleep. When we cast away God's Word... We are disobedient. We're talking about what what is leading up to Jonah's deep sleep in the midst of a raging tempest and a hurricane. How can anyone sleep while you're on a ship in the midst of the sea during a hurricane? Well, Jonah did. And I believe that it's an illustration of how we can be spiritually asleep when God is trying to get our attention. And Jonah was spiritually asleep, or he was physically asleep, because he was disobedient to God. He was callous in his witnessing. He had cast away God's Word. We are oftentimes in the same condition. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 29. Now in Isaiah chapter number 29, God is foretelling what is going to happen to His people. They're going to be allowed to be taken into captivity because of their disobedience and their callousness. And I want you to notice here, Isaiah chapter number 29, begin reading in verse number 10. Isaiah chapter number 29 and verse number 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you, what? The spirit of deep sleep. And hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers hath he covered. And the vision of all is become unto you... Now watch this. As the words of a book that is sealed. I want to say to you right now, just listen to this for a moment. The Word of God, when you are spiritually sleeping, the Word of God can become like a book that is sealed to you. It makes no sense to you. You can't seem to get a lesson or, or, or a, a confirmation from God. You might try to read the Word of God, but you're only going through the motions. You're not reading the Word of God out of sincerity so that you might read it and hear it and do it, but you are simply going through the motions. And the book becomes as a book that is literally sealed to you. Read on in verse number 10 here, or verse number 11. "...which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee, and he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed." It's talking about somebody who knows that book, and is familiar with that book, but cannot get anything out of that book. Now watch verse 12. "...and the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee, and he saith, I am not learned." Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the precept of men. He's saying that they're going through the motions. They're not sincere. They are in a deep sleep. God allowed this deep sleep to come upon them, and the book is sealed to them. They are not uh, they're not at all concerned about fulfilling the word of God. It's just something that they do because you know you do it as a Christian. You read the Bible, and I hope that you read the Bible. And you don't really expect me to do it, do you? I mean, I'm just you know, I'm nobody can fulfill the word of God. I mean, His commandments are so lofty. Well, the Bible tells us that His commandments are not grievous. In His His, uh, read Matthew chapter number eleven, verses twenty eight through thirty, where His word. Tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and so when we are when we are disobedient, we cast away God's word. We ought to have the desire, as the psalmist in Psalm one nineteen, in verse number eighteen, where he says, "Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law." I think sometimes we equate the phrase "open mine eyes" with the fact that we're blind. Well, you know, do do you unless you're major pain, okay? Some of you will get that reference. Unless you're major pain, uh, you don't sleep with your eyes open. You sleep with your eyes closed. And when you are spiritually asleep, we need our eyes opened. Lord, open mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of Thy law. And of course, do what You tell me to do. So Jonah here, he's deep asleep. He's in a deep sleep in the midst of this tempest. He's callous in his witnessing. He casts away God's Word. And then how about this? Hold on to your seats. He actually contends that God is wrong. He contends that God is wrong. And you say, oh, well, brother, where do you see that Jonah contends that God is wrong? Did I not just read to you uh, Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, where Jonah is bitter against God for granting repentance to the Assyrian Ninevites? Jonah was not rejoicing in that. In fact, what was Jonah in essence saying? I knew you were going to do this, God, and that's why I didn't want to go. And implied in that is what? You should not have done this. You should not have done this. This does not agree with Jonah. And Jonah is in in essence placing himself above God and saying, I know what is best, God. You should not have done this. In the end, Jonah's actions reveal what he really thought of God. He knew what was best, not only for his life, but for others. And in particular, the Ninevites. You know when we're disobedient and we're spiritually asleep, we think God is wrong. We think we're smarter than God. We don't have to do what God says because God doesn't know my situation. Oh, God knows your situation just like He knew Jonah's situation. He knew exactly where Jonah was at. Jonah gets in this ship to flee from the presence of God and he's going in the complete opposite direction and he's huddled down there in the bottom of this ship in a deep sleep, and he somehow has convinced himself that God doesn't see him. And God knew exactly where he was at. We contend that God is wrong. And then lastly, we're talking about spiritual sleep being produced by disobedience. Lastly, Jonah concludes that he has to obey his own will and go his own way. Of course he did. Because God told him exactly what to do. And Jonah did the opposite. Jonah did what he wanted to do. He chose his own will over God's. We ought to evaluate our lives. We ought to question whether or not we choose our own will over God's will for our lives. Now, what should Jonah have been doing? Jonah should have been on his way to Nineveh. And in fact, if, if perhaps he could have already been in Nineveh, and he should have been laboring and witnessing and preaching the word But instead, Jonah decided to go on a cruise. Now, you might say, well, this doesn't sound like a cruise. Well, you know. I don't think you would have have been on a cruise when COVID broke out. Wouldn't have been very fun. Jonah here, he's taking a boat ride. He's going in the complete opposite direction. He's taking a boat ride. He should have been laboring. Instead, what's he doing? He chose to do his own will and he chose his own ways over God's will and ways. Proverbs 19 and verse 15 reads this, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And so Jonah was was slothful in what he was doing, and slothfulness and sluggardliness is inherent with spiritual sleep. When we are sleeping, we cannot be active and do what we're supposed to do. And so Jonah here is the epitome of slothfulness. Listen to what the great English preacher Alexander McLaren preached on this topic. He says, the unfaithful prophet is the cause of disaster, and the only sluggard in the ship. Such are the consequences of silence. No wonder that the fugitive prophet—I like that. You know, you, you, when you think of Jonah, you might well refer to him as the fugitive prophet. And, he, and McLaren preaches. No wonder that the fugitive prophet slunk down into some dark corner and sat bitterly brooding there, self-accused and condemned, till weariness and the relief of the tension of his journey lulled him to sleep. It was a stupid and heavy sleep. Alas, for those whose only refuge from conscience is oblivion. So here's Jonah. I mean, what, what, how? Now think about this. How quickly did things go south for Jonah? Jonah is called of God to go with this monumental task. I mean, he's given a large task. We might say if we're at work and we're being handed out assignments, man, this is the case I want, right? Right? I don't, I don't want to try a disorderly conduct uh, misdemeanor case. I, I want to try a first degree murder case. And so Jonah is is he's he's given the choice assignment. And how quickly did it go south for him? He is now literally in a deep sleep in the midst of a raging hurricane. Wow. Spiritual sleep is produced by disobedience. The second lesson that we see is that spiritual sleep prevents us from perceiving danger. Here we move into verses 4 and 5 of chapter number 1. Jonah is not just asleep. He is in a deep sleep in the midst of this hurricane. And I said this a few moments ago, but I say it again. When we are sleeping... We are not aware of any dangers that may be lurking around us. When you are in a deep sleep, it is probable that you are not going to just be awakened at the slightest noise. Somebody could perhaps break into your house and steal you blind and and, uh, get out before anyone ever knew you were there. Sleep prohibits us from perceiving danger. I recall the story of, uh, you all know Charles Manson and the family. And Manson, I don't know if you've ever read the book Helter Skelter by uh, Assistant District Attorney Vincent Bugliosi who tried the, the Manson cases. And he discovered that the family would go on what they called creepy crawlers. And they would break into houses in the middle of the night. And they would literally stand there and stare at the people sleeping. They didn't do them any harm, but the people didn't wake up. They were completely unaware of what was going on. And so you and I have to understand that spiritual sleep prevents us from perceiving danger. Notice in verse number 4, we've already mentioned this multiple times, Jonah's in the midst of this raging storm. Notice the source of the storm in in Jonah chapter 1, verse number 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. The Lord did this. This storm was not a normal storm of life that God sends. You know, we use the illustration all the time that... There are the storms of life. And there are testings and trials that God allows and sends into our life. This is not that kind of a storm. This is a storm that is specifically designed to wreak havoc and get Jonah's attention. Jonah is in a deep sleep. God intends to wake him up and get his attention. God had permitted Jonah, his child, to go as far as he would let him. God is now going to intervene. I want to ask you this. Do you think Jonah comprehended that God was this unhappy with him? And you know, a lot of times when we're in spiritual sleep, we don't comprehend the level of dissatisfaction that God has for us. And we ought to evaluate. Am I in a deep spiritual sleep? Jonah is in the midst of this storm that God has issued, God has initiated. The source of the storm is the Lord himself. Notice the seriousness of the storm. In verse number 4 the Bible reads, "And there and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken." This was no normal hurricane. This was a raging hurricane that literally threatened to break the ship into pieces. Where did they launch from? Joppa. Joppa had a rough shore. It had deep rocks and cliffs that advanced into the sea. It would be perilous if there was a hurricane that would, would arise at that particular location. If the ship was was blown into the shore at Joppa, it would surely be torn to shreds. And yet there were other ships that were out in the sea. And uh, there are commentators that, that denote that perhaps these ships were being thrust into each other with all of the different... Uh, things that would come about from the violent storm whatever the case was the ship was in peril of being broken in pieces there was danger this was a serious storm you know what happens a lot of times when we're spiritually sleeping we don't recognize our own peril we've mentioned this a couple weeks ago in studying the book of Ephesians chapter number four where we said and we looked at that verse and verse twenty. 6.27 6.27 that says that we're not to give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. And we looked at this verse where we're to recognize our peril and the dangers that we are in as it relates to our adversary, the enemy. And we read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. We're very familiar with those verses, but let's look at them again. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, we're told to be sober. What does the word sober mean? In this location... And in this usage, it doesn't mean that we're to abstain from alcohol and not be drunk. Of course, certainly that is the Lord's will for our lives. But here it means to watch. Be sober. That means to watch. And then Peter writes, be vigilant. Do you remember what the word vigilant means? It means to keep awake. Keep awake. Don't fall asleep while you are watching. You first of all have to watch. But you have to stay awake while you watch. Be sober. Be vigilant. Watch and keep awake. Because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We need to understand the, the danger that we are in. When we are in a spiritual sleep, do you know that the enemy will put temptations before you that you might not otherwise fall prey to? But when you are in a, a, a deep funk and you are in spiritual sleep mode, you will give in to these temptations and thus defame and shame the Lord. We have to remember that spiritual sleep does not permit us to perceive danger. There's the seriousness of the so- storm here. But then notice in verse number 5, Of Jonah chapter number one, we find that the slumbering sluggard, and I hate to refer to this man of God in such a way, but I'm not sure how else to describe him in this instance. The slumbering sluggard is no help, even though he himself is in grave danger. He's no help. Look at verse number five. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. And by the way, the word "fast," the two words fast asleep, they are translated two other times in Scripture as deep sleep. Deep sleep. He is fast asleep. He is in a deep sleep. Jonah's shipmates are up aboard trying to remedy the situation and trying to save the ship and save all of the lives in the ship. And what is Jonah doing? He is in a deep sleep. We have to be sober and vigilant. We have to be watching and keeping awake because of the danger. What did the Lord say to the disciples? And He took those three with Him in the inner circle when He went into the garden to pray. And He said, Hey, you stay here, you watch. You watch and pray. And He comes back three times and He finds them sleeping. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 and 41, the, uh, Matthew records this account for us in Matthew 26, verses 40 and 41. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Man, listen, we ought not only to stay awake physically in the house of God, but we ought to stay awake spiritually watching and praying that we enter not into temptation, that we not be tricked by the wiles of the devil. Paul touched on this when he wrote to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. In Romans 13, verses 11 and 12, Paul is talking to save people. And he writes and he says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. Verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. You can't combat danger when you are asleep. We must be awake. And Paul says it's high time to awake out of sleep. In essence, could I say that Paul is saying, What meanest thou, O sleeper? What are you doing asleep? That leads us to the third lesson that we learn. Here we find this in verse number 6 of Jonah chapter number 1. If we are to be awakened from spiritual sleep, it will be by divine intervention. We are awakened from spiritual sleep by divine intervention. It takes God's working to wake us up. Now remember, first of all, who it was that initiated the storm. God did this with a purpose in mind. God knew exactly what Jonah was up to. He knew exactly where Jonah was at. He knew that Jonah was in the body and the bottom of that ship in a deep sleep. God sends out this hurricane to accomplish His purpose. And of course, we know that it was multifaceted. He sends out this hurricane. He knows full well that these men on the ship, though they be lost men, they're honorable men and they're not going to want to throw Jonah off. And Jonah, he says, man, listen, this is because of me. And then they cast lots, and miraculously and coincidentally, the lot fell on Jonah. And so these men, horrified at what they have to do, they throw Jonah off of the boat, but God has prepared the exact right fish to swallow up Jonah. All of this is in accordance with God's purpose in the life of Jonah. But the point that we're making is that God initiated the events that resulted in Jonah being awakened from this deep sleep. The hurricane by itself wasn't going to do it. But the hurricane was just part of what God was doing. It was God who initiated the hurricane, who initiated the storm. Notice secondly, that God in waking us up spiritually can use whomever He chooses as the instrument of our awakening. Jonah is on this ship with who? Well, let me let me just make it clear. A bunch of lost people. A bunch of idolaters. In fact, it tells us that that, that in, in verse number 5, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God with a little g. These were idolaters. These were not saved men that called on the God of gods and Lord of lords, God Almighty. These were not the same. They did not serve the same God that Jonah served. These were lost men. And no doubt, they were probably rough men. And yet, you know what? They were honorable men. They didn't want to throw Jonah over. And yet, these people are the ones that God used, and specifically, God used a heathen ship captain. A heathen ship captain to come and rebuke Jonah. Think about this. Look at verse number 6. So the shipmaster. And there's some disagreement as to the role of the shipmaster, but I think it's easiest just for a, to call him the captain of the ship. The shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Here's Jonah who has this choice assignment of God, a man of God, and he is being rebuked and challenged by who? A lost idolater. He says... What meanest thou, O sleeper? Darlene and I were reading this in our devotions this past week, and and I originally intended to preach on a different topic today, but I we read that and we both got a chuckle out of that. You know, what meanest thou, O sleeper? You know, how'd you like to be nicknamed the sleeper? Yeah, hey, there's brother so-and-so. He comes to church, he's the sleeper. You know, arise, O sleeper. And that's not a compliment. And so here's Jonah being rebuked by this lost captain of a heathen ship and this man is literally telling Jonah to pray. Like, can you imagine this? Jonah, who is chosen by God to go in this lost ship captain, is saying, hey, why don't you wake up? You need to be praying. I'll never forget, and I've mentioned this periodically through the years. I never forget when I was a young man at Army basic training, and uh, we had gone on one of our. Uh, road marches and we had like a 15 miler an 18 miler and a 21 miler and i don't remember which one this was but i remember we went on that road march and i remember specifically this was a particularly tough one uh for me i guys with with shorter legs had a tough time because the drill sergeants would mark the pace and you'd wind up running a lot to keep up with them and you had your 60 pound tanker roll on bat on your back with your tent and your sleeping bag and everything, and I remember going up agony, misery, and heartbreak—the three hills there in, in Fort Knox—and I can, and this is not exaggeration, this is not hyperbole. I can remember going up one of them, and it was so steep I literally had to take and push my thighs to get up. There's no way I was going to quit. You didn't quit. Some guys quit, and it didn't go well for them. And I remember that night, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if this this is true or not, but one of my mates there—we live we we weren't in the. Uh, open bay uh barracks we had dormitories and so there was like six bunk beds in the dormitories there's like 12 of us sleeping in that room and i remember laying there and awakened at i don't know what time it was two in the morning or something and the drill sergeant i'm not exaggerating was that far from my nose and he woke the whole the whole dorm up he was screaming at the top of his lungs kimberlin Get out of this bed! You got you got watch duty! Now get up right now, son! And uh, you talk about getting up, and and, and and he swore. And the guy that had watch duty before me swore that he came up multiple times and tried to wake me up, and I wouldn't get up. Now, I've never had anything like that happen prior to that, and I've never had anything like that happen after. It's completely possible that I was in such a deep sleep that I wouldn't waken up unless you did that to me. But you know, the point is that sometimes you've got to have that done to you. you got to have somebody get in your face and literally scream to wake you out of your deep sleep. God will bring whomever He wants to do that. An instrument of His choosing. <laughs> I can just hear this lost ship captain saying to Jonah, Jonah, I'm going to quote Proverbs 6 and verse 9 to you, Jonah. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? That's Proverbs 6 and verse number 9. God chooses the instrument that He uses to wake us up and we finally conclude with this. You know, God Himself. God Himself has already clearly provided instructions for our own awakening. It should not take that to wake us up and sadly sometimes it does. How about this? We're going to close with a couple... Scriptures, I'm going to ask you to turn to one of them, but I want to read you this one first. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 14, the Bible reads as Paul again is writing to the church at Ephesus, He says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee life. Now, you might take that as being spoken to lost people because they're spiritually dead. You know, sometimes we can be in such a deep sleep that others might take us as being dead. Man, he's dead, he's not moving. He's comatose. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. And then in conclusion, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and notice the the instruction that, and admonition that Paul gives the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, notice verses 5 through 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 5 through 8. Paul writes Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So who is Paul writing to? He's writing to saved members of the church at Thessalonica. Notice verse number 6. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The word watch there, you care to guess where you've seen that word before? It is the same Greek word that is translated vigilant in First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. And it literally means to keep awake, to stay awake. He says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, he says, to watch, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We're not to be like the lost world, asleep at the wheel. In fact, I would say to you, we should not even be like our brother Jonah. Sleeping in a deep sleep in the midst of this turbulent hurricane, trying to hide from the presence of God. God wants better from His people. There are three lessons that we learn, and I hope that we learn, before we must be admonished to arise, O sleeper. Spiritual sleep is produced by disobedience. Jonah was disobedient to God's command. Spiritual sleep prevents us from perceiving danger. He's in the midst of this ship, literally about to be broken into pieces, and he's doing nothing but sleeping. And if we are to be awakened from our spiritual sleep, it'll be by divine intervention. God loves us and cares for us. Aren't you glad that God just doesn't leave us alone and let us go on our own way? I mean, He troubles us. He gets a hold of us. That's a good thing. Can you imagine if God had just let Jonah go? That whale wouldn't have been prepared to receive him. God wouldn't have dealt with him while Jonah's in the belly of the whale. So Jonah's life would have been affected. And how about Jonah going to preach the message of repentance to the Ninevites? Don't sleep when we ought to be working and laboring and active in the will of God god's got a purpose for each of us but we won't know what that is and we won't be able to do that if we are spiritually asleep by god's grace may we say to one another if we're in this position arise O sleep let's pray